0: As Greg prepares to preach and minister the Word of God, would you show your appreciation and love to Him? Amen. What a great privilege it is to be with you. Joy and I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the team of folks that we had the opportunity to minister to at at the marriage retreat this weekend. You do have some great people here, and you have a great pastor and wife. We love Phil and Becky. Uh, it's not often that uh, you get to be with lifelong friends that live a long way away from you and uh, we connected in college Phil and I were roommates uh, for two years our sophomore year and our uh, junior year but I traded him in for a better roommate joy and I got married And uh, she and I were roommates our senior year. Uh, Phil and Becky were still dating at that point in time, but they spent a lot of time at our apartment. Uh, And uh, we just so thank the Lord for friends like Phil and Becky that love Jesus, that are involved in ministry and pastoral ministry, uh, and so we've just sort of paralleled one another through the years. I thought that I would continue to pastor until I was well into my 70s. And the Lord had a different uh, plan that I didn't know about until uh, a little, almost a year ago. It'll be This June will be one year ago that we were elected. And this has been uh, really weird going to different churches all the time. I'm used to, like Pastor Phil, seeing the same people week after week. And I like it that way. But uh, I'm grateful for this new call. And as I was preparing for today and I walked in this morning, I realized that we're right on target with your theme this year, Breakthrough 2018 proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And when I saw that, I knew that I was on target with what God wanted me to share with you this morning. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter number one. Ephesians chapter number one. And my title is very simple. And the title of the message is You Matter. You Matter. But more specifically, I want to talk about the fact that you matter to God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you matter to God. All right, you did pretty good there. Pretty good there. Now, how many of you really believe what you just told them? You know, you matter to God. And uh, I am grateful. You know, when Phil and Becky and I met, we were young. We were, you know, trying to figure out what God's plan was for our life. And then we found the right helpmate and god blessed us both we both married up uh with becky and joy and and then we had children and and i had two boys i grew up with a brother so i'd never really been around girls but i'm in that new season of life in which i got grandkids and my first grandchild was a girl and her name is madison and i love madison And in fact, I told Madison the other day, Madison, I type your name a lot. She said, what do you mean, Grandpa Greg? I said, you're one of my passwords. Well, I shouldn't have told you that. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) uh, but there's more to it than that. So you can't, hopefully you can't figure it out. But when Madison was a little girl, she was riding in the back of the car. And as we were driving, she said, Grandpa Greg. I said, what, Madison? She said, Grandpa Greg, I love you so much. Oh, my heart just melted. I said, Madison, I said, Grandpa Greg loves you so much back in half of the kingdom is yours. Uh, now, she didn't know what that meant. She hadn't read the Bible. She didn't understand that I, I was speaking. But at that point in time, she could have asked for almost anything. And I would have given it to her. Well, I want you to know today, and I hope that when you leave this service, that that you realize that your Father in heaven loves you so much. And I hope there's something inside of you, just like there was inside of my little granddaughter, that causes you to want to say to your Father in heaven, Father, I love you so much. Jesus, I love you so much. Holy Spirit, I love you so much. Because you matter to God. And here in Ephesians chapter number one, I'm not going to read all of the verses right up front because in reality, this is just one sentence, but it begins in verse three and doesn't conclude to verse number fourteen. Paul would have flunked grammar. I mean, he just has one long run on sentence. But part of the reason he does that is he is so full of this revelation of who God is to us that he can hardly contain himself in wanting to express that revelation to us. And the first part of this revelation, I want to communicate it this way. Number one, you matter so much to God that he chose you. And adopted you into His family so that you would know Him as your Father. Look at what it says. It says, just as He chose us in Him, in Christ, notice this, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. God's heart motivated Him to choose you. God drew a circle around you. He identified you by name and He said, I choose you. Now, when I was growing up, middle school years, uh, they lived out in the country in Alabama and they shut our little school down and we had only 60 students in that, uh, middle school. And and so everybody knew everybody. Well, they shipped me all the way across town to the city that was near us, which was Montgomery, Alabama. And when the school they shipped me to, there was over 800 students there. There was only two people in that school that I knew from my previous school and I felt lost And I remember those first few weeks, especially at PE, when they were choosing up the teams. Now, I wasn't tall like Ryan, okay? I just little, bitty, skinny guy. And in fact, I had started a school when I was five, so I was also younger than most of the other classmates. And I remember how I felt when either no one chose me or I was like the last kid chosen for the team. And, and I, you know, I felt a you little know, have you ever been there where you wanted to be chosen maybe you wanted to be chosen for a job and someone else got the job and, and you thought I should have been the one chosen for that job, we've all experienced in life somewhere along the way where someone else was chosen, we weren't chosen I want you to know something, I want you to know that the God who created the heavens and the earth has drawn a circle around you and he says I choose you, you matter to me, you are important to me and I choose you. Second thing, as we look at this scripture, I want to say to you is that God has a plan for your life. Look at that word there, predestined us, predestination. Now that there's a theological term predestination. And, and we could get into a debate this morning uh, about the significance of that term. And, and we may have some people in the room that would view that a little bit differently, but I want to simplify it for you. Predestination just basically means that God had a plan ahead of time for where he wanted you to arrive. You see, uh, Joy and I, we got into our car in walksahatchee, Texas. Try spelling that. Try saying that to Siri and see what it it turns into three different words on your phone. Uh, We got into our car in walksahatchee, Texas, and, and we began a journey. Our destination was to take us first to the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, but that wasn't our, our our intended ending point. From there we would fly to Chicago. From Chicago we would fly to Flint and then uh we would be picked up by Pastor Phil and ultimately we knew that we were going to arrive here on Sunday morning. That was our pre-plan, our predestination. Well you know God has a pre-plan, a predestination for your life. I have a grandson by the name of Nolan, and Nolan uh, is four. And and Nolan, he's got uh, three brothers and sisters, and and there's a lot of activity in their home. But Nolan is one of those children that he likes some alone time, some me time. And one of the things he likes to do is to put together Legos. And so we bought Nolan some Legos for Christmas. He looked at the box and he knew it was a Star Wars theme. He was really excited about it. He opened the box and started putting the Legos together. Well, his other grandpa, Grandpa Rusty, he bought Nolan some Legos last year. And he brought him home, gave him to Nolan. Nolan was really excited. He looked on the box and there was a ship on there. And he's thinking, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to put these Legos together and it's going to make a ship. And, and he gets over at the table and he opens the box and he puts all these Legos out on the table. But what Grandpa Rusty didn't pay attention to is that when you buy Legos, you got to pay attention to the age level. Nolan is four. You know, there's like, you know, four to six, five to seven. Uh, Grandpa Rusty bought him Legos that was 12 plus. And so here's little Nolan. He's got, I mean, hundreds of Legos out on this table. He's four years old and, and nobody's paid attention that this is a 12 plus box. And he's over there and he is trying his best figure out how to put those Legos together. Mom's working the kitchen and she looks over there after a period of time and she sees Nolan. And he's like this elbows are on the table his hands are in his head he's shaking his head Nolan is overwhelmed he has way too many parts that he doesn't know how to fit them together and I have a wonderful daughter-in-law and her name is Brooke and Brooke goes over and sits down beside Nolan and she says Nolan let me help you and for the next couple of hours Nolan and mom work on that together And mom says, hey, why don't you put this piece here? Why don't you put that piece? Hey, hey, Nolan, what about this piece? And after a period of time, all of a sudden, that ship began to take shape. And then at the very end, mom said, Nolan, why don't you finish it by yourself? You know, as I thought about what Brooke did for Nolan, it had remind me of what my Father in Heaven sometimes does for me. There are times in life that I feel overwhelmed. There are times in life that there seems to be too many parts and pieces that have been thrown together out before me and I'm trying to make sense of them and I don't seem to know how to make sense of them. There are times in life as we heard about Joe this morning, I had opportunity to meet him on the marriage retreat where we get a diagnosis that, that we, we weren't looking for, we didn't want and, and we feel a little overwhelmed with that but I want you to know that the Father that I have in heaven that He chose me and He's got His eye upon me and He comes down and He sits beside me and He says, Greg... I tell you what, I promise you this, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you, and if you'll let me, and you'll trust me, I'll help you figure out how to put all the parts together, and Greg, instead of living in fear, fear not, for I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God, I'll help you, I'll strengthen you, I'll uphold you by the right hand of my righteousness, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this morning that the God who created heaven and earth, he chose you, and he has a plan for your life, and when you feel overwhelmed, you go to him, and he'll help you find the plan that he has for your life. I know a plan that he has for every one of us in this room. It tells us right there. He predestined us to adoption as son. God chose you. God has a plan for you. And God's plan is to adopt you into his family so that you become a son and a daughter of God and that you are able to know that almighty God is your Abba. Father. Now I want to take a little detour here just for a moment. Uh, you know, God has chosen us, and God wants us to know that we matter. And one of the things that God wants us to know is that not only do you matter, but the person sitting beside you matters to God. The person who lives across the street from you matters to God that person that works with you, that causes you pain and headache all the time, that person matters to God. The person around the world that's never heard of Jesus, they matter to God. And God wants us to be a, an ambassador of His love so that we communicate to other people so that they come to understand that they matter to God. And there's all kinds of ways that God wants His family to express that. Something I didn't, I'd been pastoring for 20 plus years and we had a family in our church that had been taking in foster kids for a number of years and we we were appreciative of that and we saw what they were doing and we honored that. But I never considered the fact that maybe the Lord wanted other families in our church to consider becoming foster parents. and And then I became educated and I found out that in the state of Texas that there are 30 thousand children in foster care. We have a crisis in our state. And, and we begin to hear about uh, how many of these children are, are, are just in devastating circumstances. I learned that the one of the metrics that is used to determine how many prison beds we're going to need in our state has to do with how many children phase out of foster care who never find a forever home. And as I began to learn some of this, it began to break my heart. Then I met a pastor, an African-American pastor of a small church uh, in Brownwood, Texas, that he sort of got into foster care almost by accident. He was working in a high school, and there was a football player that was going to have to leave their school because his dad was in prison, his mom had left, and uh, he was going to have to go into the foster system, system and 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 uh, Aaron Blake, who was a pastor of a church as well, he took this young man in said, well, I'll take him into my home. He and Mary had no idea that... This would become the first of eight young men that they would eventually take into their home. So I had Aaron, Pastor Blake, come and share with our church. And I said, you know, we, Jonathan and Shelly, they've been uh, taking foster children in for a number of years. We've seen that. And I shared with them a little bit of the crisis we have in the state of Texas. And, and Aaron shared with what had happened in their church and in the life of he and his wife. And I said, if you're interested, we've got a lunch today. I was shocked when over 50 people showed up. I really didn't expect that. In fact, as I looked around the room, I, I saw this couple over here, Eddie and Elga, and they're grandparents. I mean, they've raised their children, and now they've got grandchildren. I thought, what in the world is Eddie and Elga doing in this room? And I looked over there and saw their son and daughter-in-law. I said, oh, I know why they're here. Their son and daughter-in-law, they may be doing foster care, and Eddie and Elga are just, just going to figure out how to help them. I was wrong. For the past five years, Eddie and Elga there's hardly been a week that they haven't had at least one and many times two foster children in their home that they cared for and loved them. In fact, uh, they sort of are over the top foster parents. They're sort of foster grandparents. Uh, we had one boy in our church. He went to his mom and dad and he said, how do you get involved in that foster care stuff? And they said, what are you talking about? He said, well, Eddie and Elga, they take their foster kids to Six Flags. They take them to the Ranger game. I want to be a foster kid to Eddie and Elga. I mean, they had got such a reputation that we had kids signing up to be foster kids. <laughs> their their son and daughter-in-law, they have two boys of their own, and they, they recently just adopted. In fact, the very last week, uh, as pastor at Gospel Lighthouse, one of the last things that I had the privilege of being a part of was them adopting a boy into their home. There's a, another couple sitting in, there that day, and I looked at them, Carrie and Melissa Moon, and I thought, oh, man, this has got to be hard for them. Carrie's a twin, and uh, he and Melissa were expecting twins, and we were all excited about that. And several months in, uh, I got a call, and heard that the twin, one of the twins had passed away in the womb and I I was amazed, I didn't know they could do this, they went in, did a c-section, removed that twin, kept the other one viable we had a a memorial service for that that precious baby and then that twin was stillborn, so they lost both of them and were told that they couldn't have children, that same year uh, Melissa's mother passed away, that same year, Carrie lost his job and, and I'm looking at this couple, and they're sitting in that room, and I'm thinking, wow, this has got to be really hard for them. Found out that they weren't there ready to foster yet, but they thought, well, maybe when someone else fosters, we can you know, sort of wrap around them so they can go out and have a date, and, and, and we'll give them some respite care. But then God started dealing with their heart. And first Melissa and then Carrie came to the conclusion, maybe this is God's avenue for us to care for other children, to bring them So they made the decision and they went through the process, got all the licensings necessary and prepared to adopt. And they had a little boy. And this little boy was in their home. And if you understand the way it works in the state of Texas, it, you're not guaranteed that that child will ultimately be adopted by you. You're just in the process. There's some things that could change that. And after several weeks of falling in love with this little boy, thinking he's going to be the boy that they're going to adopt, an aunt came uh, to light, found out about this little boy, and decided that it was in his best interest for him to be raised by someone that was a blood family. And so that little boy was taken out of their home and given to an aunt. And I'm thinking, oh, man, Lord, why, why are, why? This family, they love you. One of the things, I'll tell you about Carrie and Melissa, this is very important. All that I told you that happened in their life, they didn't run away from God and they didn't isolate themselves from God's people. And all the things that were happening... They let their home group surround them and love on them. They continue to be a part of our choir every week. They continue to teach in our Sunday school. Sometimes I'd be out there worshiping. I'd look up and see Carrie and Melissa with their hands raised. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, how can they worship you with such abandon, with all the pain that they're going through? And then one day they get a call and the call was this. Would you guys be willing to take two into your home? We got two little girls that, that need a forever home. And they prayed about it and said, yes, we'll take two. And they were in the process of heading toward that girls. A couple of days later, they get another call and said, well, we didn't tell you everything. These two girls have two brothers that they've never met. And all four of these children are under the age of five. Would you be willing to consider? Now, great man of faith I am. No. That is crazy. You don't want to do that. You know, two maybe, four, no. They prayed about it. I'm telling you. One of the happiest families that walk into Gospel Lighthouse today is Carrie and Melissa and four children. All four of them, when they got them, were on medication. They were malnourished. They had all kinds of problems. Within six months, no medication. Healthy and strong. And those kids love Jesus. And I discovered something. We'll go to that next little slide there. Discovered something. is A family who makes the choice to adopt is a family with the heart of God. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should take in foster children or everybody should adopt. But what I am saying is when we realize how much we matter to God, then we realize that there are other people that matter to God. And God wants us to find a way to communicate his love to them. How are you doing that? How are you communicating God's love to others? You know, I want to tell you this. Your highest privilege in life is calling God Father. I'm thankful I can call Phil my friend. I'm thankful that I've got an earthly dad and an earthly mom. They just, both of them turned 80 in the last few months. And I'm grateful that they're still alive and fairly healthy. And, and I'm, I'm thankful that I can call joy my wife. But my highest privilege is knowing that the God who created the heaven and the earth is my father. And that my father chose me. And that my father loves me. Secondly today, you matter so much to God's son. To Jesus. That Jesus died for you so that he might, and we sang about it this morning, that he might redeem you. We sang those very words, that he might redeem you and that he might forgive you in order to give you an eternal home. Look at this passage. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. I love this. According to the riches of His grace, in Him also, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That word redemption. Some of you may have sang that word this morning. Wonder. I don't even know what that word means. It means to purchase by paying a price to set someone free who has been enslaved. And every one of us, we were enslaved to sin. Phil and I were talking about a, a missionary couple that we know, uh, David and Beth Grant, yesterday. David and Beth Grant had started a ministry a number of years ago called Project Rescue. And what they had discovered is like we had discovered their crisis of foster care. They discovered a different crisis in India. And that was a crisis of so many thousands of girls that were in the, being in the sex trafficking business. One of the things they discovered is that many of these girls had been sold by their own families out of places like Nepal for under $300. And then they were trafficked. It's hard for us to even comprehend that. We, We will sometimes spend over $300 for entertainment on a weekend. And here, these people are so destitute that they would sell their daughter hoping for a better life not knowing where they would end up and so uh, the project rescue purchases redeems these girls out of that and puts them into places called homes of hope to let them know you are more than just a, 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 a someone's object of, of lust you have been created in the image of God and we want you to know that you matter and that's the reason we paid a price to redeem you how much do you matter to God well I can tell you this you're a whole lot more valuable than the 300 dollars in fact, you are so important to God and you value so much to God that He paid the ultimate price. He paid the price of His Son, Jesus, dying on the cross so that you might be redeemed from your sin. Oh, church, don't ever take communion for granted. Don't ever say that's just something we do as a religious exercise uh, every few weeks. No, when we take that cup in our hand, it reminds us of the precious blood of Jesus that was the price that brought about our redemption so that we could be forgiven of our sins (laughs) hallelujah and because of that we have an inheritance there's that word again being predestined god has a plan for you on earth and god has a plan for you in heaven god wants to take care of you on earth and jesus has promised to build a mansion for you in heaven and i'm looking forward to spending eternity with my father in heaven I have another, I'm sorry about my grandparent stories today. No, I'm not. Uh, uh, I now have them. I, I used to not understand them, but now I do. I have a granddaughter named Ella. She's four. You say, how do you got two four-year-olds? Well, I got two boys. I got two, you know, one's got a son, one's got a daughter, and, and Ella's four, and she goes to a Christian school similar to the preschool like you have here. And if you can get your children in a preschool like this one here, you need to do that. Should have had an amen somewhere. All right, there we go. I thought that's there we go. And and she goes to that Christian preschool, and she came home one day. She said, "Mama, she said I found out today there's a stairway to heaven." And uh, we we didn't know was you know were they maybe Jacob's ladder? They were taking a lesson. I'm pretty sure they weren't playing Led Zeppelin in the the uh, Christian school there. But but she said there's a stairway to heaven. And she said, when I die, I'm not going to go to heaven like Jesus. She said, how did Jesus go to heaven? He died on a cross and he went up the stairway to heaven. She said, how are you going to go to heaven? When I die, I'm going to ride a rainbow unicorn. That's the way I'm going up the stairway to heaven. Well, she hadn't got her theology totally right. We still haven't convinced her that there's no such thing as a rainbow unicorn. She, she is convinced they are real. But one thing we are grateful for, that little girl believes in Jesus. That little girl believes that God has a place in heaven one day for her. And friend, I believe in Jesus. And I believe that Jesus has prepared a place in heaven for us. I never got so close to heaven as I did last fall. I'd never had a health crisis in my life. It was 37 years in pastoral ministry. I'd never been in the hospital, never been... Uh, In the emergency, well, I'd been to the hospital. I'd been to the emergency room. I'd been to ICU many times visiting other people. But last fall, uh, I'd preached on Sunday morning. Everything had went well. Uh, Had uh, left that afternoon, and and Joy and I were going to be going to a get together with our new staff because we have three new people in positions at our at our team, and and we're going to be meeting their families. And that afternoon, I got a very intense pain in, in, in this area. And by 4:30 the next morning, I, I was shaking uncontrollably and, and we went to the emergency room and found out I had what was somewhat of a common uh, situation. Uh, I, my appendix had perforated and I need to have my appendix moved. And you know, that's for many people, that's a minor surgery. Let me tell you what, there is no minor surgery if it's on you. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so I, I had this minor surgery, had my appendix removed, and everything was going well. Uh, now, they kept me overnight because of the fact that I, they knew I had some infection. But Tuesday, I was doing good. I ate three meals and, and sent me home late Tuesday uh, or early Tuesday evening. Went home. They, they sent me home with some high-powered uh, pain medication that he told me to take, some hydrocodone. I'd never taken any high-powered pain medication before. And so I, took, I just took a half a dose that night. Man, it wiped me out. I slept like a baby. Uh, The next morning, my wife gives it to me again, and throughout the morning and the early afternoon, I'm getting more and more lethargic. We're, we're convinced it's just, you know, my response to the to the pain medication. Joy calls the doctor, can't get a hold of him. He's out. T- tries to get a hold of his nurse, can't get a hold of her. Gets a hold of a receptionist, and the receptionist basically said, "Well, honey, these men are sometimes stubborn. You just got to get him up, make him walk around the house." And so about two o'clock Wednesday afternoon, Joyce said, Great, you gotta get up, you gotta walk around the house. And at that point, I did everything I could possibly do. I was sitting on the couch, and I did everything I could possibly do to will myself to get off that couch. I said, get up. You know how your mind tells your body what to do? And and I tried. I couldn't. I couldn't get up. My, my legs wouldn't move. I mean, in all the years of my life, nothing like that had ever happened to me. And we're trying to figure, I said, Joy, I cannot get up. I want to get up. I cannot get up. And finally, she called, and we had one of Joy's best friends as an RN, and she came over, and she brought some Chick-fil-A for her and Joy to have together. But as soon as she saw me, she dropped the Chick-fil-A, went to her car, got her instruments, and came in. And she put a little thing on my finger that I now know is a pulse ox. And when she put that on my finger, she, told, she backed up and she said, Joy, we got to call 911 right now. Joy said, can't we take him to the hospital? She said, no. we got to call 911 right now. Greg's oxygen level is 60. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I knew I couldn't get up. I didn't understand the implications of of how low that oxygen level was. But when the paramedics arrived, you know, they didn't say, you know, do you want to pass go? Do you want to collect $200? They didn't ask me anything. They put me straight into the ambulance and immediately carried me to the hospital. They were actually amazed that I was coherent at that point in time. I ended up in ICU, and the doctor that did the surgery would tell me later, Greg, what happened to you was really scary. My family care physician twice told me, Greg, what happened to you was serious. Another doctor friend had told his wife when she told him what happened, he said, ah, Greg could have died, and I could have. I, I came to understand something later on. What, the diagnosis that the element gave me was uh, uh, that I had a flash pulmonary edema. Basically what that means, in a short period of time, my lungs had begun to fill with fluid. And as my lungs began to fill with fluid, they were choking off the energy source for the rest of my body they were choking off the capacity for my heart to work correctly for my kidneys to work correctly uh, for my muscles to work and without oxygen getting to all of those areas then in fact I, I didn't know this till about three weeks later that's when I the Lord just gave me a peace Holy Spirit Jesus just came down sat beside me into Joy and I both, all through that, even through ICU and through all of that, just gave us a peace. I'm with you. I'm going to take care of you. I didn't get afraid till four weeks later when I found out how bad I really was. Because, you know, when your oxygen level is 95 to 100, you're doing fine. You can do on your own. You get below 90, you need some help. You know, they're going to put that little thing in your nose that's uncomfortable. Uh, you get below 80 in your 70s, you're in trouble. In fact, you get down to 70 You're looking at organ failure and death. And I was at 60. And I learned something about not only my physical condition, but I also gained insight into our spiritual condition. Remember in Genesis chapter 2 where it talks about how that God formed man of the dust of the earth. And then he breathed into man and it says he breathed into him the breath of life. Genesis 7 verse 22 also talks about those of us having the breath of life. And I understood something. I understood. Everybody take a deep breath. I have an app on my watch now that tells me at different times of day, breathe deeply. And now I am really happy to do it because I appreciate it so much more. Now we all breathe without even thinking. But every time you take a breath, what happens is oxygen comes into your lungs. But it does more than that. That oxygen is transported throughout your body and it releases energy. It releases the energy into your kidneys. It releases the energy into the muscles of your legs. It releases the energy in your heart for your heart to work. It's the breath of life. And then I discovered something that I'm sure I was taught in biology but didn't learn. I may have got it right on the test, but I didn't learn it. But I, I learned three weeks later that the vehicle that transports the oxygen to the various places in my body that releases the breath of life, the energy into my body is the blood. You see, the blood that flows through my body, it cleanses my body of toxins and it delivers to the rest of my body the breath of life, the energy source that I need in order to exist physically. And when I begin to realize that, I realize that's exactly what happens in the spirit realm. Because the word of God says that the blood is the life. And in the blood is the life. And in my blood is the gift of life, the gift of oxygen that brings life and energy to the rest of my body and in the blood of Jesus is the gift of life and when the blood of Jesus flows into my life it cleanses me of sin and it delivers the energy source I need in the spirit realm Jesus said it this way to Nicodemus he said Nicodemus you got to be born again and Nicodemus what are you talking about And Jesus said, there's that which is born of flesh is flesh. There's physical birth. But then there's that which is born of spirit. And there is spirit. There is a spiritual birth. And in this next part of this passage, we realize that you and I matter so much to the Holy Spirit that he identifies you as God's own. And he guarantees your future in him. You also trusted after After what? After you heard the word of truth. Some of you did that this morning. Pastor Phil shared the word of truth. He shared that word. You trusted in that word. And you received the gospel of salvation. The good news that brought salvation to your soul. Because you believed in Jesus. And the moment you believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit showed up. And actually, the Holy Spirit showed up before that. Because he put the spotlight on you. And when he put the spotlight on you, guess what? He revealed you were a sinner. He convinces us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Then he puts the spotlight on Jesus. He puts the spotlight on the cross. And he says, that's how much you matter to God. You're in sin and you're just like I was. You cannot will yourself out of your sin. You cannot change your destiny by your own willpower. You cannot get up out of that pit of sin. You got to have help. In fact, you've got to have supernatural help. And by the grace of God, the riches of His grace, by the blood of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I stand here today not only physically well, but I stand here today spiritually whole because when I believed in Jesus, when I believed in the gospel, the Holy Spirit baptized me into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues so that I could live a life empowered not by the flesh but empowered by the spirit of God I don't know if you know it or not but today is Pentecost Sunday today is the Sunday where we're reminded that even those 12 disciples that had spent three and a half years with Jesus couldn't do what God wanted them to do on their own and so he told them I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait until what the promise of the father comes and when the promise of the father comes you're going to be in Endued with power, and that power is going to enable you to be witnesses unto me, unto the uttermost part of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm thankful today that I've been endued with the power, the life giving power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Now, I know we did this earlier. But maybe there's someone that you came in after communion. Or maybe you sat through communion and you didn't respond at that moment. I want to remind you today that if there's sin in your heart and in your life, you cannot will yourself out of that condition. But what you can do is trust Him. What you can do is believe in Jesus. What you can do is to ask Him to forgive you. What you can do is to receive His wonderful gift. See, for by grace are you saved. That's in chapter 2 of Ephesians. It's through faith. It's not of works. It's a gift from God. You know what? I'm grateful. I'm grateful for those paramedics... I'm grateful for those nurses. I'm grateful for those doctors who provided the treatment that I needed to help me on the road to physical recovery. But had I not survived last October, I know where I'd be. And I know one day it's appointed unto man that we're gonna leave this world. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't know if it's today or next week or 10 years or 20 years from now. But it doesn't matter how long it is. Life is but a vapor. And the only thing that matters ultimately in this life is have we prepared for the next. And the good news, the wonderful news, is that you matter to God. Your life matters. He's drawn a circle around you. He said, you matter to me. I want to adopt you into my family. In fact, my son has paid the price so that you could be purchased out of your sin and you could be forgiven and cleansed. And my Holy Spirit wants to bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And he wants to become the guarantee of your eternity. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here today, you'd say, Pastor Greg... From a spiritual sense, I'm, I'm like you. I cannot will myself out of the sin that is in my heart. And that sin that's in my heart, I know is separating me from God. But I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I want to walk out of this service today. Having been Forgiven. I want to walk out of here knowing that God is my Father. I want to walk out of here knowing that Jesus is my Savior. I want to walk out of here knowing that heaven is my eternal home. And I want to walk out of here with total confidence that sin no longer separates me from the God who loves me and who created me. If that's you, and you want to leave here forgiven of your sin, then I'm going to ask you right now, just lift your hand up. Raise it up. I want to pray for you before we close this service here in a few moments. Lift it up right now. You need God. You need Jesus. Those of you that raised your hand earlier, I believe God wants to just seal in your heart. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else should lift your hand this morning. Say, I need Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Praise God. Anyone else? Say, that's me. I want to walk out of here forgiven. You know, Pastor Phil said something earlier that's also important. There are times that we've sort of drifted away from God and we started living life on our own. We need to rededicate. We need to return. Maybe there's someone here today that that's you. You, you just need to return. You need to be restored in a full relationship with Jesus. Would you lift your hand with these others? Say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Anyone else today? Anyone else? Thank you. Praise God. I'm going to ask those of you that lifted your hand. Would you just stand up? I just like that. Would you just stand up right where you are? I want to. We're going to pray. We pray I know we prayed earlier. We're going to pray again. Thank you. Thank you. Lifted your hand. Just stand right now and keep standing. Thank you praise God praise God you say why do you have us do that you know God wants you to know this is not just about everybody it is but it's about you individually personally and we're going to pray a prayer again similar to the one we prayed earlier and I'm going to invite everyone to pray this prayer with us but if you're standing and as you pray it I want to encourage you to express this out of a heart of faith and Jesus is going to hear it and God's going to do a miracle in your life let's pray together dear Jesus I do believe that you are God's son and that you came into this world and you lived a sinless life and you died on the cross because I've lived a sinful life I ask you now forgive me of my sin I open my heart to receive your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. And thank you, God in heaven, for sending Jesus. And thank you that I can now call you my Father. From this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to read your word so I can know your will I'm going to worship with your family so I can grow in my faith and I'm going to tell others what you've done in my life in Jesus name Amen I'm going to invite everyone to stand right now and I just believe before we close this service that it would be a powerful thing For every one of you that prayed that prayer earlier, for those of you that prayed that prayer right now, and for those of you that when I told that story about my son, grandson, Nolan, that you're facing a circumstance or a situation in life that appears to be a little overwhelming to you. The challenge is greater than your capacity to meet on your own. You need God's guidance. You need His wisdom. You need His grace. You may need His miracle working power. God has a plan. And He wants you to embrace His plan. And to receive His grace. So if you feel a little overwhelmed, or if you prayed that prayer earlier before communion, or you prayed that prayer a moment ago, I'm going to just ask you to come right now and stand right here this altar. You're feeling a little overwhelmed. You need God to help you through a season in life, a challenging circumstances. Don't wait. Don't look around. Just come right now. Holy Spirit's drawing you. God's got a a work of grace that He wants to do in your heart and your life today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Anyone else? Come forward this morning. If you prayed that prayer, I certainly invite you. I want you to join these as well. Definitely want you to join these this morning. Pastor Phil and I and other pastoral members, we're gonna we're gonna bless you. We're gonna pray over you. We're gonna pray in faith. One of the things I found through the years as a pastor is usually the most powerful things that happen in church didn't happen while I was preaching, they happened while I was praying. They happened while we as a church were in agreement and we anointed someone with oil, and we we believed with them. and and, and, and miracles take place in their life and this morning church i want you to agree with us in prayer because it may be next week you're going to be standing up here it may be that what you heard this morning is going to be alive tuesday and you realize i needed to hear that and I, i need to be the one and so I want you to pray for those that are at this altar right now and let our worship team just lead us in the presence of the Lord as we pray over these. And, and then I'll let Pastor Phil close the service as he chooses. Praise the Lord. Elders, lay ministers, please come. Amen. Praise the Lord.